Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Don't Risk It, Secure It podcast. I'm your host, Elisa Bibilonia, and in today's episode, I am joined with John Sorallo, who is the head of information security at SkillJar. Uh, John has led organizations in SOC compliance, PCI DSS certification, SOC auditing, and HIPAA compliance. Some of his expertise include enterprise security, risk management, compliance and business continuity. So with all of this being said, for today's topic, we are going to go over crisis communication and some of the steps that you can take with your organization if they come across an issue and how to communicate those issues effectively. Uh, So John, thank you so much for joining today's episode. Thank you, it's good to be here. Awesome, awesome. So I'll just go into the first question really quick. So let's say that a cybersecurity company were to get hit by a cyber attack, ransomware attack, and it goes public to the media. What should their crisis communication plan, what should it be and what should it look like? Um, Great question. I guess I would answer the way a lawyer would and say it depends because if it went to the media before you were ready to respond to it, that's not good. Somehow that must have gotten leaked out or um, just by happenstance, it was such a, a big disastrous event that it was at getting out to the media while you were preparing your communications. So uh, I would say your customers are really going to want to know how it impacts them personally, uh, when those services will be back up and why this happened and what you're going to do um, to make sure it'll never happen again. The details of like command and control servers and all the advanced persistent threat stuff that we like to talk about in the security community is really Interesting, but it's not the things that affect the people the most that uh, I just mentioned. Um, really, how does it affect them is what's going to matter. That's going to get this be the story that's going to get the most traction, um, whether it's positive or negative. You should be out in front of that. And attacks can be really fluid, very stressful for everybody involved. So being ready with this plan in advance is kind of what I'm mentioning as part of this topic for today. Yeah, definitely in in all aspects of of work and company culture, it's always good to plan things ahead and especially something like this because it's sometimes those errors and those things happen, right? It's not, it's obviously not intentional, but always having the plan just in case, especially in the world of cybersecurity, we know that always having that action plan is important because you'd never know when it could, when something like that could occur. Exactly. So, Doing some, when I did some research for this episode and going over crisis communication and what companies should do, um, I know this might be a bit of an obvious question, but would you recommend for companies to go radio silent if an issue does occur? Oh, that is probably the worst thing that you absolutely can do because (laughs) you not, when you don't talk, that's leaving a gap and gaps get filled in by anyone who has a, a, a even a morsel of information or nothing at all. They could just make yeah. something up out of thin air because you haven't provided anything factual from the company. Um, yeah. It leads people to believe you're hiding something and that is a really bad position to be in because now you, you're already gonna be on the defensive when there's an attack. Now you're super on the defensive because you didn't respond to the attack. What were you trying to hide? What are you covering up? Who are you right. protecting? How come you don't know what was happening? All these questions that are going to come up and you're going to spend all of your time responding to that versus getting out in front of it, which is really critical. Yeah, I would agree that it comes off 
dishonest, secretive, and it's important, like you said, it's just important to own up to the situation, take the responsibility, and pivot, you know, to actually find a solution. So I think that's super important. Um, so with this, with this topic on crisis communication, um, why, why would you say that this is even uh, a topic, something that companies should be aware of? Um, is this is shouldn't this be a responsibility of someone else? What's your what's your take on that? Uh, well, it's definitely a problem, and I, I think this is I, I kind of find it a fascinating. I wouldn't say it's a side hobby. Um, it's more of one of these things of. I look at the articles that come out, for instance, and I, I, I read a lot about it. I want to find out how something happened, but I, I particularly focus on their response. Uh, and what would I do? I'm always putting myself in their shoes and saying, what would I do if I was in that situation? Because we, right. we mentioned plans and we also have to have lots of rehearsals, lots of drills, lots of uh, what if situations. And I put myself into that so that I can at least mentally get myself and my company ready for something like that. Uh, a lot of times it won't really apply, but it, it's good to say, what does that really feel like? Uh, and so I think it is a problem that everyone has to have as a job. It can't just be, uh, I'm going to turn it off to marketing and have them take over the particular response to this issue that technically I know the most about. And they're going to try to write this up on their own. Now, that, that's really not how it's going to work. And I think you see that in the responses when you look at the articles about breaches, you see such bad communications. A lot of times there's good good communication, don't get me wrong, but you mm -hmm. do see a lot of really bad things that are just, uh, they're, they're too brief. Um, they don't give enough detail to help someone out there. They don't offer the next time there's going to be a communication. Uh, and to say it's someone else's job, I would say one of the best things I could recommend is yes, you can have someone else that can do this better than you. And I would highly recommend if your company can afford it is to outsource these kind of communications to a PR firm that has lots of experience with crisis communications. It can be anything from celebrities uh, making mistakes, whatever their, their, their crisis communication skill is. Bring right. someone in that can prepare those comments uh, in that kind of write-up. That's very important for the skill set. There's another key that they're going to have that you likely as a company and certainly as a CISO are not going to have, and that's media contacts. Um, someone that actually has connections with major networks or the trade publications that are most important to us in the business or, or in your vertical, they're going to have those connections that you're not going to have, and they can make one call and they can get their story put out a lot faster than someone else who's going to raise an eyebrow and just come at you, particularly a competitor could come right. at you in a situation like that. So uh, it is our job, but it's our job to make sure it's running smoothly and, and get the, like anything, get the experts that can do this better than you. Right, for sure. I like what you said about there could be someone that on the team that would do it better or know a little more that that's more in their wheelhouse. But I, mm -hmm. I also see that it's important that everybody is aware. Be because on my end, yes, I'm, I work in marketing for a cybersecurity company. I'm not really doing what the analysts on my team are doing, but I'm still aware of how to avoid issues. What can I do? How my how I play a role there? So I think everybody on the team being on the same page is extremely important. Oh, glad and, you said that, Lisa. If I could jump in on that, that's that's an important yeah. point because uh, there are usually in the company you have a face 
uh, for the media who's going to go out and make these communications. Usually it's top executive like CEO or someone else is going to be the face of the company when it comes to communication. There needs to be a policy point that states employees do not go and talk to the media unless they're authorized to do so. They, they can, if you're particularly, as mentioned way at the beginning, if there's a void and you're not giving a response, people are going to start to look into LinkedIn and they're going to reach out to people that work for your company. Oh, they're going to wow. say, hey, John, what, what do you, you know, what's going on with this incident? And they might say, you know, I'm not allowed to talk to you, but let me tell you what I think. And um, then, then you are in big trouble because now it's going to be an unnamed source. It's going to be someone from the inside and it's going to be not a factual statement, but it's going to be a factual contact that was made. So make sure that from a policy perspective, your employees know I am not the one that talks to the media. There is only okay. one person and have an answer when they get, you can't be like, I can't say anything. It needs to be, I uh, refer you to our marketing department or here's a number I can refer you to call regarding that. And that's key too, is to have a central number or a contact point that everyone from the outside can, can reach into to get information because when it starts to be a free for all, bad things are going to happen. Right. And that's definitely, that's definitely important. Um, it's just important for everybody to be aware of that. Right. So that's a, that's a great point that you brought up. And it's also important because how you mentioned them in the beginning, people can run with their, their own conclusions, right? If let's say an employee did say something, then someone reads that one time and then that's, they believe that to be the truth and they won't, people won't make that extra effort to uncover if it's true or not, right? They see it once, right. oh, that's it. So it's yeah, really we're, important. We're headline driven. Yeah, we're driven by headlines. It's all we read exactly. and we move on to the next thing. Exactly. So nobody's going to go back, oh, let me make sure that that's true, right? So it's always important that what's out there is factual and said by the right person. Right. Um, right. You mentioned a bit before about good communication and bad communication. And we touched a little bit on some bad communication being not communicating and being silent and good communication, having a lot of detail, things like that. Do you have any more examples of good communication versus bad communication? I, I think a couple of caveats there that are important to communication is to make sure you distinguish between uh, discovered and disclosed because uh, those mm -hmm. are two different dates usually. So you may have discovered an issue a month ago and you're disclosing it now. Um, what's going to happen is the immediate um, blood in the water for the media sharks is going to be, why is there that month gap? And you should explain in a good communication why it took you um, this long to come forward. There, there could be a, a myriad of reasons. It could be that um, you found a little bit of information or it was still going on during that time, but you you began working on it as soon as you discovered it. That shows that you have a, a good incident response plan and that you were initiating it immediately when it happened. Um, and then you, when you had the information that you could disclose uh, and get that information out to the public, you did it in such a manner that you had enough to give to people. Um, right. That's where bad communication can come in. You don't want to come out and say, yesterday we discovered that we were breached and we'll get back to you. That's the, that's the world has come to an end for your company because they're going to assume the worst. And it could just be that there was uh, one laptop taken down or something you don't know. So right. uh, it's really about moving forward uh, in a slow manner, but with an accurate manner, but not so slow that you're you're looking like you're dodging something. I think you can see that in a lot of the press releases when a company will uh, be very slow to respond. Um, I, I watched a couple of uh, put the CISO 
directly onto a uh, a Zoom meeting with this, anybody that wanted to join and and talking point by point about the issue that they had at hand. And that, I thought that was a fantastic communication because you have the person that is experiencing firsthand and running point for for the resolution. Uh, that was a great show. And plus, it didn't allow yeah. a question, which is also good because then it gets bad. Then you then you go back to your PR firm and your marketing people to respond to the questions that come through. So those are a couple of examples. Right, and you mentioned that you shouldn't that company shouldn't come out right away with an issue, but they also shouldn't wait too long. Is there? So it's it seems that there's definitely a middle ground, somewhat of a sweet spot of where to when to say something. So do you is there a particular time frame or is it whatever feels right? How would you what would you recommend for for a company when they should speak when they have all the information? What would you say? That's that's a good question. It depends on a few things. It depends on the pressure you might be getting if you're not responding and if it's known that you're dealing with an issue. Um, if the discovered uh, point has already happened and has been exposed and, and people know about it, you might have a lot of pressure to at least come out with something. And that's where a good PR firm can help you with enough information to put out there, particularly, and I'm going to give you more information at such and such a time. So that mm -hmm. it's like, all right, well, I don't feel like I got enough, but he is going to tell me something in two days, something like that. And I think going back a little bit internally, you have to have a, a situation where you can assess the crisis level because you can set all this up. If you're going to have um, somebody got a virus on their machine, all of a sudden all the executives are brought into a, a red level, like the top highest critical level um, of the crisis communication team and incident response to respond to something like that. You're going to end up with a lot of pointless drills that don't really uh, address the problem. So it has to be where you, you've laid out like green, yellow, and red. All right, this is not necessarily green, could go to yellow. Someone's mm -hmm. got a virus, we stopped it. Um, and then you've got the right number of people involved, and then you know which teams to uh, activate to help with that. I think if you have that listed in your crisis communication plan, that's an right. important step because that way people will know, okay, I'm going to have to move to this particular level. Now I've got to we have a smaller team now we've got to go to the larger executive team and bring in all the big guns and possibly even your cyber insurance team uh and your forensics groups to help with whatever you're going through okay yeah that's definitely a good baseline of how to go about it right so thank you so much for providing that um and i do have one more question and then we can wrap this episode up so should a should a crisis communication plan should it standalone from an incident response plan? I I believe so. And let me tell you why I think that. Because an incident and a crisis, they sound the same, but they're not necessarily the same. Uh, would your incident response plan deal with um, a CEO that was arrested for drunk driving? You know, no, mm -hmm. that wouldn't be the same thing. It would be a, an issue, definitely a crisis, because there's going to be some bad press involved in that. But your, your IR team is not going to be pulling together for that or cyber insurance being involved. So I think having it separately, you're able to deal with uh, a lot of different issues. Let's take a great example. If if you were dealing with vendors that were uh, from Russia and the war started against Ukraine, uh, how are you going to respond to that? That's not an IR situation, but it's definitely can be a crisis communication plan because a lot of companies kind of went through the ringer on that. And there might be a reason why you had to do business with Russia and you aren't anymore, et cetera, or any other aggressor, you know, fill in the blank on that. So I think that's a, a great way of looking at it, that you should have a separate situation where you can pull out 
the response. And because I think this will fall in a lot of cases to the CISO, it's an information issue. Right. Uh, but having a good crisis communication plan is also a great way to sell it because you can use all the money that's being pushed towards crisis communication and dovetail that into your incident response. So that it is, it's another resource to be used during that. Perfect. Yeah. So it's, they're definitely important to have hand in hand since it's for different situations. So perfect. Well, John, thank you so much for taking the time to be a part of this episode. You provided great insights. So thanks again. And thank you to everyone for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Don't Risk It Secure it podcast. For future episodes, just make sure you tune in to our website and keep up with all of our social medias. And see you in the next episode. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye.